Now, those of you that are in the room, you'll get a second to think about this, but my online viewers today, if Tiffany uses food every single time, what food would we like to see her use next time? Post that in the comments, because I have an idea. Now, everybody in the room, now that you heard that, uh, I'm going to give you the count of three, and I want to hear what, what food you think would be great so Tiffany knows. So one, two, three, pizza. It's the perfect size. This table is the perfect size for a pizza during a children's message. All right, you're going, to be, you're going to become the sample lady afterwards, Tiffany, if you're not careful. Hey, let's read the text this morning that we're working on. We've been in Matthew 6, so I'm going to ask you to find Matthew 6, if you would, however you're reading the Bible these days, electronically or paperly. Uh, we will go to Matthew 6, starting at verse 22 and 23. Last week we were in verse 19 and 20, where Jesus talks about not storing up for yourself treasures on earth, where all kinds of things corrode and rust and eat them but store treasures in heaven, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. This week he continues then, Matthew 6, verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, you, light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Martin Luther is attributed with saying uh, there are three conversions necessary, the conversion of the heart, the mind, and the purse. It sounds like he likely didn't say it, but he's the only one we have to credit, so we give it to him. Uh, the shorthand of saying that is, your wallet is the last thing to be baptized, quite typically. That's the thing we hold on to tightest, is the stuff, the money especially. As we talked about already, last week we were looking at where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, and the point of this whole series that we're looking at, Stuff or Savior, um, is that you are what you love. Choose a love that lasts. That's what Jesus is instructing us to do here, and he's very specific in what he wants out of that. I will say, after last week, part of what we talked about with the stuff piece is that we can get attached to stuff, and we need to let go of that attachment. And I was really heartened uh, from a couple of different people that gave me some feedback of, of where God has uh, really helped them let go or given them this release or where God has convicted them to let go. And I want to just point that out as a testimony that when we hear God's word, it really changes us. It really works through us to make us more like Jesus if we'll let it. And so that's a hard task. It takes effort. But God is faithful and he'll see it through with us if we're faithful with him. This week, though, as we look at this particular passage, which is a little funky to our ears, I think, uh, what we want to hear is that we should cultivate true generosity, right? To cultivate true generosity because it blesses others and glorifies God. That's why we would do it. And so Jesus uses this an idiom from, from his day. He uses this idea or example from his day that we don't use the same way now, uh, but the eye is the lamp of the body, and he talks about healthy eyes, unhealthy eyes and at first read if we haven't dug into this it's a little confusing the eye is the lamp of the body but we can get it and we can get at least the surface level of it pretty quickly because we still think this way sometimes so we'll say something like did you see the look in that person's eyes right we can kind of get a glimpse of what's going on inside of a person because of that or did you see that she had a real glassy stare or that guy really seemed like i could see in his eyes he was he was somewhere else Right? Or some of my favorite uh, way that we might experience the eyes 
uh, in spaghetti westerns, one of my favorite genres, or kung fu movies, you know, where they do a close, tight shot of the eyes, right? You can get a lot of story from just those eyes, can't you? Or, for any of you uh, puppeteers out there, puppeteers know, if the Muppets particularly, you can get a lot done with the eyes. The eyes can tell you a lot about what's going on inside. We understand this. That's what Jesus is pointing to. That's, it's an, uh, in a way of understanding the eyes in the ancient world that was common in Jew- Jesus' day. We can understand that. When he talks about healthy and unhealthy eyes, though, that's where we kind of need a little bit more digging into it um, as he uses this example. Unhealthy eyes, at their most extreme, would be evil eyes. You, you look in and you see that from the heart, there's, there's malice. There's the desire to do wrong. And the eyes could reveal something like that. More to what Jesus is saying here, unhealthy eyes are stingy eyes. Cheap eyes. Eyes that are withholding is what they are. And you can see this, Proverbs 23, 6 through 8. For those of you that are in small groups that are able to meet, or if you're using the personal study questions that we pass out, they're on you version and in the bulletin each week and in the emails. Uh, Proverbs 23, 6 through 8 is part of the, the questions this week. This is a good example of the stingy eyes. Uh, it says, do not eat the food of a begrudging host. That's the unhealthy-eyed person. Do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies. For he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. And we can get that idea, the begrudging host. I know I've held a number of different kinds of jobs besides just being a pastor, although that's what I've done for the longest at this point. Uh, But at one point in time, I I was in the corporate world for a short while. And, um, you know, you could see this this kind of begrudging host kind of thing or the unhealthy eye can play out in our workplaces sometimes. So you'd have a situation, for instance, where somebody spent uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on wall art, but the the employees in the company don't feel taken care of by that same budget. You know, but, but the wall art's beautiful. That's taking care of you. Not really, because only one corner office person loves it who bought it. And the rest of the employees can think, okay, I can think of a better way to care for your employees than by this wall art we don't appreciate or something like that. The begrudging host. You can spend a lot on, uh, on other things but the people. The stingy eye. The unhealthy eye. How about the healthy eyes then? In its simplest form, it means simple, the word that's being used there, that is not divided in attention, right? Not split in two. Um, with no ulterior motive is what it means. A, a person who's open, but ultimately generous, is the healthy eyed person. Not withholding, but giving. That's what Jesus is saying here. And you can see this, and, and the, the very word gets used in the book of James. Chapter 1, starting at verse 5. It says, If any of you, James writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives with a healthy eye. That's the very word. Generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded. And unstable in all they do. And I think that double-minded piece is a nice contrast. Uh, it's not exact, but it's a nice contrast to the simple, the generous, the giving. Instead of having a divided attention, that's a healthy eye. 
bottom line from Jesus that he's saying is be generous, not selfish. Right? He's particularly talking about material wealth and possessions, but it goes beyond that. But he's particularly talking about that. That's the context he's been working with. And we can recognize that your eyes and your action are going to reveal what's going on inside of you, is what he's telling us. So it's not that the eyes make you healthy, it's the eyes reveal if you are healthy or unhealthy from the inside out. They're the lamp of the body, they're projecting to the world if you have healthy or unhealthy eyes, if you are stingy or if you're generous of nature. Now, I think one of the best examples that we can find in the New Testament of sort of the stingy, or I have here written the stink eye, if you want it that way, is Ananias and Sapphira, which is a rather disturbing story from the book of Acts. We won't recount the whole thing, but basically uh, it goes like this. Right before they uh, have their incident, uh, Barnabas has just donated, sold property and donated the proceeds to the church quite generously. Ananias and Sapphira uh, seek to follow suit. They lay the proceeds of the sales of a property at the feet of the disciples Only they say they give it all, but they didn't really give it all. And they suffer some pretty severe consequences for that act of deceit and lying as they withhold those proceeds, trying to portray more generosity than they actually have within them. And if we were to look them in the eyes, would we say that they have healthy eyes? We'd see it. We'd see that something's off. They didn't have a healthy heart. They didn't have a spirit of generosity within them. They wanted to portray a spirit of generosity. They wanted to deceive others into thinking they were generous. And you see, the unhealthy eye can try and do this kind of thing. The unhealthy eye at its core is selfish, prideful, and showy. It's trying to portray something different, but it's trying to control things from within and be withholding at the same time. So the the unhealthy eye is selfish. It holds back what it has. The unhealthy eye does not acknowledge that everything, whether it's money, it's estate, it's the car in your garage, it's the stuff in your pantry, is all sourced from God ultimately. The life we live, everything. It's selfish in believing that it's mine. I'm not a caretaker of God's stuff. This is my stuff. That's the unhealthy eye. The unhealthy eye is also not just selfish, it's prideful at the same time. The unhealthy eye says uh, they would like to be givers, not receivers of generosity. They want to control the stuff and control how it's given. You see, God is generous by nature. And God, through Jesus Christ, has called us home to be remade in the image of God, what's broken by sin, and be transformed into the image of Christ, ultimately, which is what we're supposed to be. But the prideful heart will not acknowledge that. The prideful heart is selfish. It's, it's not acknowledging that God has given us the provision. The prideful heart says, I earned it, I can claim it. It's mine, mine, mine. I don't need to be thankful for it. In fact, uh, I can be thankful to myself, but not to anybody else. And so the idea of stinginess or generosity, whatever, I get to control it. I get to do with it what I want because it's my glory on the line, not God's. That's what the prideful heart says. And the prideful heart then, the unhealthy eye, is selfish, prideful, and showy with it. Right? So they're trying to control it. They're not acknowledging that it's God's. They're acknowledging it's mine and only mine. And they're showy because the person who gives 
for the largest brick on the walkway or the largest plaque on the wall is giving actually out of a stingy heart if they're giving for those reasons. They're giving just to show it off, not because they're generous. They want to look generous, like Ananias and Sapphira, but not be generous. They want to control this stuff, not be thankful to God for the stuff and steward the stuff. And the person who gives for those reasons solely just to show it off, they're typically, they've sacrificed very little to gain a lot, and they may believe in the cause they give towards, but ultimately they believe in themselves more. That's the unhealthy eye at work. Now the healthy eye is a reflection of godly characteristics in a person. That's why it's healthy. It's good. Like God is good. God gave us uh, creation from the beginning. God gave us Jesus, and Jesus gave himself. And so the healthy eye, if it's going to reflect those characteristics, it's not going to be selfish, but selfless. Gordon MacDonald, in a very short uh, devotional on generosity, says God is the first and most generous giver. We can see what generosity is demonstrated by God, and we are to, to follow suit. That's what it looks like. God's given us life itself. We're here because God gave it, not because we deserve it. And we can be saved from the curse of sin, not because we deserve it, but because God gave it through Jesus to be saved and to be transformed back into the broken image, from the broken image to the remade image of God through Christ. We didn't earn any of that. God was generous in giving that. The healthy eye in putting on those godly characteristics is not simply selfless. The healthy eye blesses. It blesses God first and foremost by generosity, and it blesses others, not wanting to get anything, but giving, because that's what God does. Again, Gordon MacDonald, he says, we are most like God when we give. And if we look to the model of our faith, we can see in Philippians 2, uh, one of my favorite passages, an early church creed, Philippians 2, 5 and following, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a, of a servant, being made in human likeness. I'm going to throw in verse 8, bonus. And being found in, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God's generosity has been demonstrated over and over, not only by our being here, but by rescuing us when he didn't need to, but he chose to. That's generosity. And he did it by giving his one and only son. That's generosity. And we're to follow suit and follow that model, Jesus Christ. We can only get there because he saved us by receiving and being in Christ. But once we do that, then we follow suit to put on those godly characteristics. And Christ demonstrates what that looks like with his selflessness and his blessing towards us. I do want to make a note as we consider the difference between the unhealthy and the healthy eye. And one is showy and one uh, is, is not. In fact, it's it, at all the healthy eye isn't interested in showing off. It's interested in giving and being generous with what God has given. But I will say this, um, sometimes we get really caught up in what Jesus says about don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when it comes to giving. Sometimes giving will be found out. That doesn't invalidate the giving itself. 
right? If we're not doing it to be showy, it'll happen sometimes. In fact, if you give to a nonprofit that's not the church, typically people know what you give at that nonprofit. You haven't lost that if you're, if you're giving with a healthy eye. But I will suggest to you the reason to flag that, uh, whether it's found out or not, is that the, what, how we give and our generosity is not simply a matter of some physical thing that we do, but it's a spiritual issue, first and foremost. It's not less than that. It's definitely more than that. It's not less than that. It's a spiritual issue, and it's a heart matter. That's what Jesus is telling us. Um, it's actually not bad, I think, in life to have, whether it's a spouse or a friend or somebody else who can keep you accountable in your generosity and, and, and challenge you to be more generous. I don't think that's a bad thing. It hasn't, hasn't invalidated it. But the whole idea is that whether somebody finds out or not, doesn't matter. From my heart, I love God first. I'm going to express that through generosity. I'm not doing it for the biggest brick. I'm doing it because God saved me through Jesus Christ. The last thing I'd say about the healthy eye piece, if we're contrasting unhealthy and healthy, not the end of the sermon, just last thing I'm saying about this, is that we do it, if you have a healthy eye, you do it for the glory of God. That's the, that's the root cause of why you would do it. It's a question of how we use our resources in response to God's goodness for God's glory. That's why we give. There's a, an, a whole lot of interesting questions from a, a curriculum called Journey of Generosity, and I've returned to it numerous times. And in fact, just as a, a plug for next week, we have a guest preacher, Brad Brestel, will be here from Berean, who's a friend of this congregation and, and teaches this. Um, he'll be preaching next week. Uh, I really quite enjoy Brad, and I, I know you will too. But an interesting question as we consider the healthy eye in me, um, from this curriculum called Journey of Generosity is this. Am I striving to use my income, influence, and privileges as God directs? Or am I assuming I know what he is asking of me, 10%, and can use the rest as I choose? Came across that and I, as I was looking through a number of questions, that's a good kind of simple healthy eye, unhealthy eye test, I think. To consider how we actually give and and what the attitude is behind that do i am i called to just give the minimum amount whatever that minimum amount is whether it's 10 percent or something else and that's it or or does my heart actually want to give and i'm not actually worried about the percentage maybe those are good benchmarks for us but i'm not actually worried about that specific thing i want to be generous by by nature That's Jesus' bottom line. Be generous, not selfish. Here's a question with a punchline, so you can wait for that. What do prayer, generosity, and riding a bike have in common? You only learn them by doing. Right? Prayer, you can read every book you want on prayer, and there are plenty of good ones out there. You only learn how to do it by doing. You only develop that relationship with God through prayer by doing it. Not by reading about it. Riding a bike, you could read and watch all the YouTube videos you want, but frankly, until dad releases his hand from the saddle when you're riding it, you're not going to get it, right? You got to do it. Generosity is exactly the same way as those two things. We need to train our eyes to be healthy and generous. Because when you think about it, both the unhealthy eye and the healthy eye became that way because of training, not simply because of nature. A person who's stingy and withholding 
does so because they've trained themselves each and every day to be more stingy and withholding. And the person who is generous has done so and got to that point because they trained themselves by practice to be more generous. It doesn't just happen. Certainly there are people who have an inclination one way or another, but you can stifle that inclination pretty easily, actually. And the deal is when uncertainty comes in our lives, the training just jumps out at us. The training comes out in us. What we've trained ourselves for, the more uncertainty there is, the more we lean into being more withholding or more generous when those difficult times come. Uncertainty makes us lean into generosity or withholding. Here's a story. This comes from 1927, and I really liked it, and it fits so well here. So hear hear these words from a preacher from 1927. He says a Christian was writing a check for $500 to a specific church project, which, by the way, is a lot in 1927, isn't it? A Christian was writing a check for $500 to a specific church project and was ready to hand it to the pastor. As he was handing the check to the pastor, he jerked his hand back with the check and tore it up in front of the pastor's astonished eyes. He quickly explained that as he was giving his check, he suddenly realized he was grudgingly giving the money and with selfish motives. He sat back down at his desk and wrote another check, but this time for a thousand. As he handed the check over to the pastor, he said, I cannot afford to grow stingy and selfish. If I begin to dislike giving, I shall soon cease to give altogether. I must give and give often and give generously until I enjoy giving once more. And someone commented, that is the way to conquer selfishness. Do something unselfish and keep doing such things until you enjoy them. That's the 1920s way of saying fake it till you make it, I believe. I don't know if you noticed, but this year has been a little bit uncertain at times. As we all wear masks in the room because of COVID-19, it's been uncertain as we've worked from homes. And I don't know if you noticed, there was a presidential election recently that went on forever. It's been an uncertain and interesting year to say the least. But it's not uncertain if we live under the rule of Jesus Christ. It's really not. There are days when we're going to be nervous. There are days we're going to be worried. But, but when we live under the rule of Jesus Christ, it's not uncertain. And if we put on the clothing of Christ and seek to be like him, living in response to his work and his generosity, it becomes even more certain. So practice generosity. Why? Because Jesus already won the victory. And we're living in response to that. Practice generosity because God already owns your stuff. We're just caretakers of it. Practice generosity because you live in response to a God who loves you and has already provided what you need. That's why we practice generosity give glory to God for his generosity towards us. We cultivate true generosity. It blesses others, but most importantly, it glorifies God when we do it. Let's pray together. Lord, give us healthy eyes. It's easy to be deceived in our own lives by where we have unhealthy eyes, by where we think we have the nature of generosity, but yet some days we get surprised by a withholding spirit. Develop in us healthy eyes, a generous spirit. Develop in us a heart that reflects your very heart. And Lord, for those of us who are watching and listening today who don't know your son Jesus Christ and his generosity, bring us close. 
bring us to come to know Jesus Christ. Let us say yes to Jesus today. If that's you, say yes to Jesus. Lord, help us live in response to your love, your graciousness, your generosity towards us. That we would practice that generosity this week just as you've practiced and demonstrated it with us. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.